Hello and welcome to your Over the Farm Gate podcast, brought to you by Farmers Guardian and the CLA. We're your hosts for this week. It's me, Farmers Guardian editor Ben Briggs. And me, Farmers Guardian news editor Olivia Midgley. We'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday. Subscribe through all your favourite platforms, whether that's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or Acast, to ensure you stay up to date with new episodes. On the show this week, and on the back of an NFU petition calling on the government to guarantee future trade deals do not lead to an increase in food imports that will be illegal to produce here, plus trade deals and the end of the Brexit transition period on the horizon, we ask where it leaves farmers on the ground. And with meat sales having risen sharply since lockdown, we look at how livestock farmers can use the public's renewed interest in local food to tell their farming story and build business resilience. Here's Jess Fredenberg. You're still ploughing on and so are we. Get Farmer's Guardian delivered directly to your door every week and access the latest news from the world of agriculture 24-7 through fginsight.com. Simply subscribe to Farmer's Guardian. Check out our latest deals at fginsight.com forward slash subscriptions today. A lot is coming down the tracks for farmers, particularly the end of the Brexit transition period in less than six months time. And along with it, likely trade deals, which, of course, the government has so far refused to guarantee food standards on, despite promising otherwise previously. Don't get me started. For livestock farmers in particular, things could get tough. However, Lockdown has reconnected many consumers with their local farmers, producers and supply chains. So can livestock farmers capitalise on this renewed interest in the local to build resilience against what might be coming? I've been speaking to David Exwood, a beef farmer in Sussex with an award-winning farm shop, which has been particularly busy since lockdown began. I started off by asking him how important having a story is for marketing his beef. So the story for the Sussex cows is absolutely everything. We have the best story on British beef. There's so many good ways to sell it. And the look and the feel and the connection and the taste and the authenticity. It's everything that people want to see. You know, they're grass fed. Yes, they're in the winter, but they tick every box. And so very much the Sussex are all about the story and, and everybody should be really confident in the story of their beef. You do have the best story. It does resonate with people and it is your most powerful marketing tool. So for us, it's the fact that they're Sussex in Sussex. So it's that kind of local breed thing. Couldn't be any better. It's the look of them. They've got this fantastic red colour set against the green trees and grass. They look amazing. And it's the local angle, you know, it's beef from our farm in our farm shop. So you've got the local angle coupled with great taste. So that's why the Sussex really work for us. And it does work and it is very powerful and people, they really want to buy into it. It's as simple as that. You had a lot more people in the farm shop during lockdown, a lot of new customers who'd maybe not been there before, and you were able to keep the shelves stocked with the help of other local farmers and really show the the value, particularly the security in local supply chains. What do you think that livestock farmers can do now to really build on that momentum and that renewed interest in local to a point where there is real 
customer loyalty to those local supply chains and British livestock farmers. So we've been given through, you know, just by as a complete byproduct of coronavirus, a golden opportunity to, yeah, to, to step on and take things forward and, and exploit that sort of renewed interest. And, and we mustn't waste it. We've got to be absolutely clear about this is this is the opportunity we've dreamed of for decades and we've got to make the most of it. I think what people have got to do, they've got to look at their product. So the first thing is they've got to understand their cost of production and make sure their productivity and their cost of production is right. And we can come back to that and talk about that more. But they've got to make sure they're producing it at the right price. But then they've just got to look around. I think there's three things that will really work. It has got to be accessible. You know, the supermarkets are brilliant at what they do. And what they do is they make food very, very accessible. And you, you, you might, might or might not like what the supermarkets do, but ultimately they're the benchmark. So you've got everything you do has got to be set against the other option, which is the local supermarket, let's say. And you've got to say, well, look, how can we do that, but better with our brilliant backstory? So it's got to be accessible. It's got to be convenient. It's got to be there when people want it in the form they want it. So it's either the pack size or it's got to be packaged or in a shelf and at a time of day or online. You know, there's so many ways you can make uh, good you know, meat and any food type accessible, but it has to be accessible you know, when people want it. You know, they might, if they finish work at six o'clock in the evening, they've got to be able to go out and buy it then. You know, that may not be what you want, but that's what they want. It's got to be in a price and packaged in a way that is that they want and that is just available. So accessibility, price, you know, I feel very strongly that this isn't an opportunity to say, well, my beef is a premium product, so, you know, I'm going to charge you this and that's what it's worth and you need to pay it. No, that isn't how it works for most people. Yes, of course, they'll pay a premium for a good local product and they'll accept a premium, but... I say this goes for any premium product. They'll accept a premium, but there probably are limits on it. 10%, 20%, perhaps more than they might pay in the supermarket. But there are definitely limits. So focus on price. Don't be afraid to charge for a good product, but don't just think you can charge what you like. And then build in the backstory. So build in that local story of, of, of distance, food miles, local grazing, you know, that they've seen them locally. Use that great backstory on the back of the accessibility and the price. And then you've got a real winner. You really have. So if you can bring all those three things together. so And that's the question about taking your product, getting it the right price, and then selling it in a way through a butcher or a local farm shop or a store or online in a way that people will be able to readily access. What are you specifically going to be doing in your farm shop now, David, that might be different to before the pandemic in terms of how to keep those people coming back, particularly people who may be you know came into your farm shop for the first time during lockdown our focus really now as we start to move out of lockdown and into the new normal whatever that is we are looking at every sort of category in our farm shop and thinking how can we get this offer right so we are looking at making sure even in unpredictable times that we always have product on the shelf and that is quite a challenge because it's one thing to say if you just do a few animals here and there and people are used to just, well, you know, we'll have your beef, David, when it's available. No, it's got to be available all the time. So we're making sure our shelves are fully stocked with what people want all the time. So that is a real challenge for us. So we're looking at, we're basically doing more animals and we're doing them more efficiently. And then we're making sure it's available throughout the week as well. You can't just have it for the weekend. It's having it during the week. 
So we're looking at the availability. Price, we're pretty happy with. I've always had the mantra that you sell a good product at a competitive price and it will walk out the shelf. So price, we're pretty happy about. And then I think it's just tying in. So the people that live locally and always came in the farm shop, they know the story. They know the backstory of our farm and our product and our produce and our cattle and all those great things. So then really what we're looking to do is use Facebook actually works best for us, but other social media and media outlets locally as well to really sort of reach out and tie in that local story to keep people coming back in. So today, for the first time, we've got Sussex cherries in the shop. So we will be, well, we are Facebooking like crazy about the fact that, you know, Sussex cherries are available from now. They look brilliant. They taste amazing. And they've got all the backstory. So and people will, they will make a special trip just for that. So it's also making sure that as alongside your your beef you're you're able to provide like other products that will also bring people into the shop then I guess. Well the beauty of doing seasonal produce of course you've got a never ending story of it's now available. You know if I stock cherries from all around the world all around the year there's no story because cherries are available. Mm. But with the beauty of seasonal produce we find is that you know you have this constant story of the some the next thing is now available. So the asparagus season is starting to wind down. But uh, yeah, the summer fruit of raspberries, strawberries, cherries is there. Then it will be apples, you know, and, and so on and so on. So, yeah, using those seasonal stories to pr- create a fresh new story all the time. So looking ahead, David, to the end of the Brexit transition period and possible trade deals that might be coming down the line with, say, the US or, or others, do you feel that local supply chains, particularly if you continue to build on them, will give you some sort of resilience as a livestock farmer to potentially having to compete on you know a much more in a much more global marketplace and with meat producers who might be producing meat that is a lot cheaper. Yes, I really do. I mean, the really bottom line, the farm shop is a vehicle for stuff we produce on the farm. You know, we could use that to sell, you know, our product if we really you know, if, if all other outlets become increasingly challenging, you know, that that is our sort of first line of defence, if you like. But yeah, no, look, I think that British Brief is a great product. We've got the product. We've, we've got all the good stories behind it of antibiotic use, you know, sustainability, rotational grazing, grass, all so that, you know, that story is there. And so if what I have to do is make that available to my customers at still at a reasonable price uh, and it will work. So we are really focused on that we have to be, this is where the productivity piece comes in. We've got to be really f- focused on our cost of production and we're using every tool we can to make sure our cost of production is as low as possible. You know, Breeder, I don't want to sort of promote different people, but you know, the Breeder app in terms of focusing on daily live weight gains is something we've got into this spring to really focus on making sure our daily live weight gains and our cost of production are where they should be. Then we've got to be sure we've absolutely got a consistent, desirable product on the back of that as well. So if you've got a really consistent product, so and, and this works whether you're selling to, you know, ultimately a supermarket, whether you're selling in my farm shop, they want to know that their beef or lamb is of consistent quality you know the fat levels are the same that the the marbling and the eating quality are the same you know so you've got to have that consistency of product that so that people know what they're going to get and we've got to challenge ourselves on that as well we can't just 
produce something, expect people to buy it. You've got to make sure you're giving people what you want. And then it's about the marketing and buying in. But in some ways, that's the easy bit because you get your cost of production right and you get your consistency right. Then selling the product is the relatively easy bit because the story is there. Not every farm has a a retail option. So it might be working with your local farm shop. It might be doing working with your local butcher. It might be working with an online offering. But there are many, many ways of getting your product out there. And there are there. And it's up to us as farmers to be good marketeers, to go out, find that local angle for the product and sell it. But the people, you know, people want that and they will they will use it. You know, look, let's be realistic. A lot of people are still going to get their food in supermarkets and from fast food outlets. That's not going to change. But actually, there are many ways that we can access and build on that market and use those natural advantages we have. And, and, and I think that will really work regardless of the price because ultimately any imported product we may face in the future ultimately only has price to win on. That is very powerful, let's make no mistake, but they won't have the story that we have. You know, hormone-fed beef from a feedlot in America, where's the story there? There isn't one. So, you know, we, we've got to work to our natural advantages and, and take them on, but don't be afraid, we can win that battle. CLA members own or manage around half of the rural land in England and Wales and run more than 250 types of businesses. The in-house professional advisory team offers members independent and impartial advice on every aspect of land ownership and during this Covid crisis the CLA has never been more important to landowners of any size. To find out more go to www.cla.org.uk That was farmer David Exwood in Sussex. Now, to delve into this at a more national and global level, I've also been talking to Alan Clark, Chief Executive of Quality Meat Scotland. I started off by asking Alan how livestock farmers can build on local interest to keep people coming back. I think that comes down to the customer service that they receive, the quality of the product that is offered. And one of the things that butchers are really good at is innovation. And it's that innovation that will keep people coming back. You know, Henry Ford said many, 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 many years ago, people will remember the quality long after they've forgotten the price. And that's what it's about. People now want to reconnect with their food. They want to know the provenance. Tell the story. Tell the story of how you farm these animals, which is to world-class standards. And that customer will go and tell all of their friends. They will repeat that story. And that word of mouth in a local business is invaluable. And I'm really hoping that uh, we can maintain that. Let's go right back to the the farm gate here, though. And and I wanted to talk about resilience because we've got a a lot of really big things coming down the tracks for farmers right now, particularly in terms of the end of the Brexit transition period at the end of this year. Huge, huge changes there coming. And, of course... What everyone is talking about at the moment is the possibility of trade deals with the likes of the US, Brazil, perhaps other big like meat producing countries. And the fact that the government seems to be very unwilling to set down some concrete rules around standards. To what extent do you think there is value in local supply chains in terms of building resilience for livestock farmers? It's a really good question. And I can't see any reason why any government 
would want to introduce products into their country which are produced to a lower standard than what is allowed in the country that they're being imported to. To me, that doesn't make sense. COVID this year gave uh, supermarkets five days consecutive trading higher than the 23rd of December with no preparation. So they couldn't keep meat on shelves. So there was foreign product brought in. And we found in our local supermarkets, we were getting foreign product on the shelves. It wasn't selling. And again, we've spoken to director level in those supermarkets and they said, we made a grave mistake. We should never have done that. Consumers want to support British. They want to support Scottish. And they they uh, led with their purse on that situation. So I think anybody coming in will find it hard. I'm going back to the economic reality, though. A lot of people who are currently furloughed, who unfortunately will end up unemployed. And that that's a real sad factor, which will, will happen soon. So belts are going to get tighter in, in certain areas. So there is a need to make sure that good quality food is affordable. But good quality food is affordable in the UK. I would say it's one of the cheaper countries to be able to eat high quality food and to buy that in your supermarkets or in your butchers locally. There is also consumers then who will also always want that provenance and always be willing to pay that little bit extra. But that comes back to a little bit what I said earlier. It's that eating experience, that sense of occasion and getting something that they can come back to. You know, I'm very simple. In Scotland here, we have just over 10,000 pig farmers, cattle and sheep farmers, auction marts, processors, livestock hauliers who voluntarily take part in our quality assurance scheme. And that gives us whole of life, whole of supply chain provenance for our products. And we do not want anybody else compromising that. So a key thing for us is to get that message out to consumers. And it's not just in Scotland. We worked in partnership with HCC and AHCB. We developed a 1.2 million Make It campaign and it's trying to get customers to make it steak, make it special, make it healthy, make it lamb. So resilience in the sector is essential. And to me, if you want to have real resilience, you need to have trust. You need to build communication to build that trust. And we're in a new world here now. And processors, auction marts, retailers, farmers, we need to work together to make sure that we can get a supply chain which is equitable. Because if you do not make a profit in your business, you do not have the confidence to invest in that business. And we need to get that return back to the producer to make sure that the producer can continue to keep feet on the ground, to build the the number of feet on the ground, and to make sure that we can provide that high-quality food, not just in our local markets, but there still will, will be some specialist export markets for us as well. And I don't think it's just Scotland or, or uh, United Kingdom that is going to buy local. I think the world is going to buy local. And I think everybody will actually start to think a little bit more about where their food comes. And, you know, it was difficult. And, you know, farmers have become the food heroes over the last few weeks. People now realise that the, the, the work that they've been doing day in, day out for years and very often not getting any recognition for it. So we need to really, really build on that. But the whole red meat sector as a whole needs to step up to the plate and come together to deliver a long-term solution that has real equity in the supply chain. 
And I do say, I do think red meat is too cheap. High quality red meat is too cheap. And I think a lot of supermarkets do uh, use it as loss leaders because it's a guaranteed bringer of footfall. You just said that a lot of the world will be eating locally now. So does our local story still have appeal on a global context if we're talking about exports? Absolutely. And one of the things that I find with the Scotch brand, the further you travel away from Scotland, the higher in esteem that it's held. I was very lucky to be part, part of a trade delegation last year in Japan and there was a, an evening reception where 100 buyers, meat buyers from Japan, were invited. The 20 that we had met previously all came to us afterwards. I do have a confession, as you may detect from my accent, I am not Scottish, but I was... No, but, uh, no. <laughs> but, I, but I was wearing a kilt. At one stage, we had about 50 people queuing up to get their photographs taken with us. And as they came over, they said, we know the quality, the consistency of British beef and British lamb is second to none. They said there would, there would be no issue having a demand for those products because the quality spoke for itself. So Britain has fantastic food, fantastic produce in its larder. And that story travels very, very well around the world, both for British and for Scotch. Thanks, Jez. And finally, the dairy industry has seen its fair share of tumult over the past few months, caused mainly by the food service sector closing its doors overnight due to the coronavirus pandemic. As we heard back on episode one of Over the Farm Gate, some producers saw milk prices hit the floor, with many having to pour milk away. Well, a new AHDB campaign is here to give the sector a bit of a boost. The national initiative, Milk Your Moments, is aiming to not only reconnect people with dairy, but also thank producers for playing their part in keeping the nation fed, and along with it, helping to raise awareness of mental health. Here's Molly Leach with more. So you may have spotted the Milk Your Moments campaign across social media. With milk and dairy having always featured in our daily connections with others, this campaign celebrates the moments that bring us together. That's why dairy farmers and workers have teamed up with the mental health charity Mind to drive milk consumption and encourage people to have open conversations with others about their mental health during this challenging time. So whether it's a picture with your morning cuppa or a socially distanced ice cream in the park with a friend, Milk Your Moments is asking you to capture the experience with the Milk Your Moments hashtag. Each new visit to the website at www.milkyourmoments.co.uk unlocks a £1 donation for Mind Charity with heaps of prizes to be won. So let's stay connected by milking those moments. Thanks Molly. As a nation we really do love a cuppa and what a great way to celebrate this vibrant industry and bring people together, even if it is virtually. Well, that's it for this week, and thank you for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcast platform to keep notified of the new episodes of Over the Farm Gate. We'll be back next Tuesday, but from us at Farmers Guardian and the team at the CLA, thank you for listening. We hope you stay safe and well, and goodbye for now.